Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode here of Beyond the Cover. I'm your co-host, John Robb, but tonight I am flying solo as my wonderful co-host, Jeff Ayers, is on the men, got a little sick yesterday, can't be on today, but that's all right, we'll do this solo, because we have one of our good friends coming on, Uh, he's waiting on the line, it's Kevin O'Brien, to talk about his latest book, They Won't Be Hurt. I love his titles, like Vicious and Terrified and stuff like that, so They Won't Be Hurt. But we all know if you read a Kevin O'Brien book, that's not true. And then coming up, we will then have Brian Andrews and Jeffrey Wilson, the writing team, and they'll be talking about uh, their fourth um, book in their series, Operator Down, and that's going to be cool too. So we want to let you know that all the shows are brought to you by Kensington Books, so please make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. That's who Kevin is with. Great family, great publisher, great everything. And... um, Check out KensingtonBooks.com for more information. So without any further ado, let's get right into our first guest of the night. Again, it, the book is called They Won't Be Hurt. So, Kevin, how you doing? John, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing good. But I got to tell you, you know your freaking titles are misleading. Hell yeah, they're going to be hurt. At least this one is. The whole idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, here's my, here's my story. I... My wonderful editor, John Scalamilio, uh, it comes up with most of these titles. Um, and I haven't right. named my own book in, I think, I think the last book I named myself was Only Son in 1990. It was, in the, it was a century ago, 1996. Oh, so he has come up with all my titles. And I, this one, I, I really liked it. I thought that maybe they should have had a more ironic cover. Like, I, I wanted them to have yeah. like a... Uh, like some hands that were bound, you know, on the cover. It looked yeah. like somebody was like tied up, ready to get killed. And I thought that'd right. be great. But they they put another house on the cover. What can I tell you? They they like houses. Yeah. That's my trademark. Well, you know, it's, it's it's got the creepy trees. It's got creepy trees. It always it's t- we were just talking about Halloween in the green room. If there's a green room for uh, radio interviews, and um, really, you know, it does remind me of like Halloween. The, the all their it covers does. that they all they all all that's missing is a pumpkin. So, and um, not Jason. I what believe, and I'm Michael. looking it up right now because my favorite cover of yours, and I'm gonna I gotta make sure I find it here. Yes, Ooh. is Final Breath. That's my favorite one. I was making sure oh. I got the right one and not the last victim. Final Breath is my favorite cover. Yeah. Is it, is it the green cover? That's or is the it greenish the one, one with the that? moon. And then it yeah. has like that creepy house with the trees, yeah. of course. But They yeah. do the creepy houses. It's hysterical. One of them, I forgot which one. I, I think it was uh, Tell Me You're Sorry. They, Tell Me You're Sorry. They had a house on the cover that looked sort of like the Amityville house. And so I... Yeah. For, you know, usually they've got the covers ready before I'm even finished with the book. So for this one, I, for that one, I was able to say, you know, they, their house looked a little bit like the Amityville. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of geared it towards the cover. <laughs> but tell us again. So, so give us the, um, you know, give us the, the skinny on, on this book. Well, the skinny on this one is, you know, uh, my brilliant editor keeps will give me these ideas, and he'll and he'll say, you know, oh, I was thinking this on the subway, this time around, um, he was thinking about um, what if somebody survived like a mass killing, and uh, and like you know, sort of like a, uh, you know, several people in a family getting murdered, and one person somehow escaped, and um, he wanted that to be sort of the kickoff point. And, um, you know, I immediately thought of uh, Willie Gerritsen, who was the caretaker at, um, at the um, t- uh, Tate um, and uh, Polanski house that they had rented. He was the caretaker on the property. Oh, that's right. That's right. When, Out here yeah, in California, Manson. Yes. Yeah. When all that went on, and he was the immediate first suspect. In fact, his, his buddy who had come visit him was the first victim he had um he'd been driving out of the gate and uh when manson's gang 
saw him, they killed him, and um, then went down and killed the rest of them. And Willie, I guess, was asleep or something throughout the whole thing. Never got hurt. Never got. Never heard anything. And uh, he was, like I say, a suspect for a while. So I kind of took that that idea, that notion of this guy who's like a caretaker at some famous person's house, and he is the suspect immediately when everybody in the house gets murdered. And um, he and a friend escape from the police, and they hold hostage this family in uh, the wine country near Leavenworth, Washington. And um, I always liked that movie, the Humphrey Bogart, Frederick March movie, um, Desperate Hours. And okay. I've always I don't remember that one, do... but okay. Oh, it's great. They remade it with Mickey Rourke and Anthony Hopkins. And, oh, um, Anthony Hopkins, it's... love him. Yeah, and it's based on a true story. It was a first a you know first happened. It was a real story. Then it was a play, and um, then it turned into a film in 1956 with Bogart and um, Humphrey Bo- Humphrey Bogart and Frederick March. And uh, Frederick March is a family man. He's got two kids and a wife. And uh, Humphrey Bogart and two colleagues who have escaped from prison hold his family hostage for a while. And meanwhile, Frederick March goes to work and back while, while, his, while his family's being held hostage. So you, you, keep, mm-hmm. you keep thinking, why doesn't he go to the police? But, you know, he, he ends up having a much more clever plan. And it, like I say, it was based on a true story. So uh, that was one of the biggest challenges of writing this is the mother in my story keeps going back and forth to different places. And a lot of people, I was worried, a lot of people would be going, why doesn't you just call the police? <laughs> you know, so right. so um, that was my biggest challenge throughout the whole writing process. I was like, well, I've got to make it so that she really thinks her kids are going to get killed if she does if she tries to go to the police. So... But anyway, that was the situation. So this is a much more um, condensed book than most of mine um, are. You know, it almost all takes place inside the house, except for the mother going around running errands for these uh, killers. And um, so I, I won't tell any more because I don't want to give it away. But it's very, it's very suspenseful. It all takes place within about 36 hours. So um, that's, that's yeah, another quick. challenge. It's definitely quick. Yeah, oh, yeah. So you've I, read it, what, huh? Yeah, and what I noticed on this one is that she's your most emotionally drained character, I think. <laughs> yeah, that you've written. Yeah, she's she's kind of uh, like at the end of her rope, and it's it, right. It's very funny when I when I'm on a deadline for a book. I think I take on my characters, uh, whatever my character's going through, I take it on. So, I, you know, they're they're always sleepless, stressed out. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's very easy to kind of get into the character's head by the time I'm done with my book. I'm like, okay, sleepless, stressed out. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, she she has, she's got a rough road, for sure. And like you said, like at the end of your rope, because you're almost wondering, like, how much more can she take? And then you add more shit to her. And it's like, damn, you must like, you must like not like her or something. It's very sadistic. But, I, there's a part know. of me that you just you you do when you're playing God. You know, you kind of you're you're kind of like, oh, am I actually going to do this to this person? Okay, yeah, I think I will because you know, and you know, hopefully people will rally for her. Um, you know, you never know if if people are going to turn on your characters or not. You know, so right. But then on the flip side, you have to have villains that also kind of embody that to keep the emotion going so tell us how you kind of formulated that well that side for this this villain um i have a couple of guys and uh there's the caretaker who is sort of like i envisioned uh joseph gordon levitt type i was like some young kid who kind of he's kind of sweet-faced and nice but you're not sure if you know this is sort of just the the Norman Bates quiet, soft-spoken type who who could be psychotic, or if he's just really a sweet kid who's gotten screwed up. Uh, or, and then he's got a friend who I I was trying to think of who this should be, and I I kind of based him on. And I'm having a senior moment here. Um, <laughs> oh God, he's in town, and he's also was in the Born Identity. What's his name? Uh, Jer- Jeremy, oh, Jeremy Renner. Renner. Yes. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. I pictured Jeremy Renner, who I think in real life is a total sweetheart. Um, but yeah. he's just well, such his a, big character, of course, is in the Avengers, where he's um, Bullseye. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah. But he, you know, did you remember him in the town where it's like, yeah, let's screw yeah, up with, with Ben yeah. Affleck because he was like the yeah. bad person in the he, gang. He's like wanted to he like the bad. Really so go, I wanted yeah. somebody like that. I wanted somebody that you'd think, yeah. okay, this guy is just trouble. You know, so I have these two characters sort of as, you know, almost of mice and men type of thing. <laughs> just the sweet, mm-hmm. gentle guy and this guy who's kind of comes across as dumb but he's really very smart and very cunning and very sadistic and um so we got this sort of weird pairing and i i kind of work against that and i i you know because you don't want just a you know i you don't want just this villain that's you know kicking the dog all the time you you want somebody who who it's a little deeper, you know, like I, I, yeah. I think of Hitchcock's villains and his best ones are always kind of smooth, uh, like Joseph Cotton in um, Shadow of a Doubt that is, you know, the, the who's strangling widows <laughs> and yet he's coming yeah. across as so yeah. charming and stuff, you know, so, you know, you gotta, I think the, what Hitchcock, one of his things that he said, that Hitchcock said was, you know, the the better your villain, the better the movie, you know, so. So you got to oh, a I, lot and of and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Right? Without yeah. a doubt, I've always said to everybody, I'm always like the villains are the thing that I think really makes the story because oh yeah, you kind of you kind of know that the hero is. I mean, especially if it's a series story, you know, like an Alex Cross or something, you already know they're going to mm-hmm, make it through. Mm-hmm. So the villain yeah. has to be somebody that's really ruthless. Yeah, and going to surprise you all the time, and yeah. and somebody who. I've always felt that, um, you know, just going after money is kind of the most boring thing. So I never have had a uh, a killer that just has money on the mind. It's always some mission that they have to do. <laughs> yeah. They're a person with a purpose, you know, and which makes them which more is very important. No matter how batshit crazy it is, they <laughs> have to think it's not crazy. Of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it, it helps to live. I live across the street from a psychiatrist, and uh, yeah, every time uh, I've got a book that I'm sort of doing the blueprint for, I'll I'll treat him to dinner, and we'll have our a discussion about you know what, what would motivate somebody to you know to kill this way, and he'll be like, oh well, you know, it could be a calendar thing, you know, this is the anniversary of something. This could, he's great. He, yeah. Well, you know, a sociopath would actually say, you know, so it's like, okay, great. He gets thanked in every one of my books. He's... <laughs> well, and you know, and so it is coming to the time, and your books are very close, and you did reference Halloween, and we kind of talked off air, but so you haven't seen the new one yet. No, no, I am. I'm. I think okay. as soon, I, I don't have a life right now because I'm in deadline hell. So I'm not even. Right. I think I'm taking a break on Saturday to do a Halloween thing with uh, with Elizabeth George. We're getting together. Oh, and nice. A thing on Bainbridge Island hello. with. Yeah, I will indeed. Yeah. I will indeed. She's giving me a lift to Bainbridge Island. God bless her. Oh, uh, nice. Um, yeah, she's my neighbor. In fact, I'm looking right out my window at her building so house oh i was gonna say at her house don't see what she's like making for dinner <laughs> kind of i've got my binoculars i I'm, did i tell you i broke my leg <laughs> so i take it so i take it that's how you do research for your books <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't tell elizabeth <laughs> elizabeth but you don't know this but <laughs> you're very much in kevin's books <laughs> that's right no it's i actually have these really high powered binoculars where i yeah. can read what she's writing and i just exactly. copy it down before she gets to it before she gets to, and then to you're like, i got it first i got it first yeah uh, yep, so yep. but so you have but of course you know if people don't know the movie but you know that this basically is the sequel to the 78 version. So if you take Halloween yes. 2 and the rest of them, you just pretty much throw them to the side. It's like they never happened. Oh, so good. that's all gone. Yeah, that's all gone. In fact, they even oh, wow. reference it in there where they say, isn't, you know, wasn't he going after like his sister? And they're like, no, that's a myth. That, that's just what the media said. But so, <laughs> so Michael Myers isn't even her sister. Wow. I mean, or her brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not related. That's right, because that came way, up in one of the sequels. That's right. That came up in the second one that he was, you know, that that, that was his sister. And, oh, you know, wow. and it was funny because I was always thinking, and, you know, you're always thinking, you're like, okay, she's 17 years old, this and that. How, where was she when he killed the daughter? Yeah. Like, where was she? Because she had to have already been born. Yeah. So, so like, but you never see her. She wasn't in the crib. I mean, 
didn't, I mean, <laughs> where was she? That's the trouble when you do those damn sequels. It's like, yep. uh, yeah, you have you to have make um, sense. Yeah, you have to make sure everything's covered. In fact, the book I'm writing right now uh, could be the first of a of two or three books. And so my editor has warned me. He's like, well, don't kill off this person. <laughs> and he's like, hey, man, you, may hey, you know what you do? This person. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, you just refer back to, back sure to Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Did Alfred Hitchcock killed off Janet Leigh, another Jamie Lee yes. Curtis reference, and Psycho, like, what, yes. 25 minutes into the book? And they're like, um, the you can't book. kill off your main character 25 yes. minutes into the movie? And he's like, watch me. Yeah. Which I think was one of the most brilliant things. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. And, brilliant. you know, you just, you think of Psycho, and I, it's just, uh, Turner Movie Classics is showing a lot of old horror movies, and they're all pre-Psycho. They're all in the 50s and 40s and stuff. And you can see how Psycho just took it up so many notches to right. to something that was very sophisticated and very, very adult and and incredibly well acted and just you know it just amazing and i think like you say i think part of the shock there is that you know janet lee was a huge star when that happened and that she she took this role that i think she shot it for like two weeks and you know but, but she's attached to that movie forever and you know you can't think of that movie without thinking of janet lee she's you know she she lives on in your memory throughout the whole movie and it's amazing how they did that. And if and if he, people don't realize, because some people don't, Jamie Lee Curtis is named after, of course, Janet Lee because that's her mother. Right. That's where she got the Lee from. And the Curtis, her father is Tony Curtis. Is Tony? So Curtis. she's kind of like Hollywood royalty. Born. She she's is. Born oh, kind of totally. Yeah. Yes, she was. Uh, I mean, Tony and Janet were uh, the cover kids in yeah, r- but right from the. But Bible. didn't Janet die mysteriously? Also. In in real life, in real life, she died mysteriously. Um, she had some kind of nerve disorder disease or something. Okay, like I thought that, she I died think. mysteriously, or something happened. There was some kind of mystery around her death, or there was. I thought there was something Ooh. about it. Or no, was I she think crazy she, I at think one it was point, sort of, or I forget. What was that? I didn't know what if she was, was like crazy at one point, or oh, but no, there was something was okay. that was not right about it. Oh, I see. I could I've be heard, wrong. I'd heard it was like a nerve disorder thing that she'd had for for a couple of years that it was uh you know pretty painful or something but she um I got to meet her when I was god right after I published my first book in fact I brought it with me because she was mentioned at the first book so I thought she was at an autograph signing and I I you know I came up and said you know I have to tell you I've had a crush on you since I was 13 years old and she laughed and she said well you know my husband's here and I said I said I've read your book I know what he looks like I saw him over there <laughs> she, she laughed and gave me a hug and I said here's a book I've written and she's like well congratulations and blah 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 you know I know it ended up at goodwill but I still I was thrilled that uh, I got to meet her so it's like well no and I you're right she died of vasculitis so I I must have well, something you, you were looking up, up while I was, was babbling on. Okay. Is I was. I was listening to you, and then I was looking nerve. up because I wanted to make sure we were right. But I thought that there was something. Maybe it's somebody else that I'm thinking of that died kind of mysteriously, but it was like a famous mother of an actress. Maybe someone will let me know. Ooh. But, okay. Yeah, you I know what? I'm going to think yeah. of it as soon as we hang up. I'm sure. I know, because I know that there is one. But, but, but yeah, back, I, to, I back to the movie, you haven't seen the movie then? I haven't. Like I say, so, I'm still in deadline hell, so I'm I'm not going to be doing anything for at least till the first oh week in November. God. Then I'll get out. God, I wish you could but try to get out and see it if you can, because it it is very much worth it. It would have been, I mean, it it was. I mean, it was. It, Jamie Lee Curtis is a badass in this movie. If you want to think of a character that's kind of close to what it is, think of how mm-hmm. Linda Hamilton transformed from Terminator oh. One to Two. Wow. So she kind cool. of was, yeah. I mean, you see, I mean, I'm not giving anything away because you see in the trailer when she goes, no, I pray every day that he escapes. And they go, well, why would you ever think that? He, she goes, so I can kill him. <laughs> so I can because kill the Because her SOB. whole life has been consumed with now killing him. But wow. there's still the question of why is he after her? Yeah. And I won't let you know. And, I, and I'm not going to let you know if Ooh. that continues. 
Well, you know, this is there. The buzz on this movie is great. It got a great review yeah. in Entertainment Weekly, and then I, I just was talking to a neighbor yesterday. It was like, "Have you seen Halloween yet?" Because you know, yeah. I always get that 10. question. You it's know, because I'm the local thriller author. You know, so have you yeah. seen Halloween I mean, it's, yet? It is. It's a, it's an eight out of ten without a doubt. I mean, it was. It's cool. really great in the storyline. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good movie. So hopefully, you get a chance to see it because I really think that you'll enjoy it. I mean. Um, because the 78 movie, the original Halloween, is my favorite horror movie of all time. I think that there's nothing better than that movie. Oh, well, the, I, I just watched it last year. I, I yeah. bought the Blu-ray and watched all the special features. And, oh, you did? You know, so so I might, I, you I watched the behind the scenes? I watched the behind the scenes. Dude, isn't that tremendous? He made that on $210,000 and oh, went over and by ten grand. Because yeah. he had to pay Donald Pleasance a bonus. I was going to say, Donald Pleasance took up all the money. Yeah. He took the fucking money and he had to do it. <laughs> and he had no money for blood. That's why you see no blood in that movie. You see very oh, little right. when, it's, when it's PJ Souls on the bed that he has out there. Or no, he had Annie on the bed that Annie, was like yeah. Judith. He put Annie on that. That's the only blood that you see because everyone else oh. might get stabbed or strangled, but they don't have any blood. There's no he had no because he had no budget for it and the oh, leaves God, that you see hysterical. remember the leaves when he talked about yeah. that they had to go and oh, then that's they right. had to put them back up in the bags they had to put it yeah because because it was shot in California they didn't have any the uh, yeah. the change of seasons yeah. there that yeah and he showed you the, and he like showed that. you the three shots where you where where you can see palm trees but you never noticed it in yeah. the movie when you were watching it yeah. there's palm trees right Isn't there that funny I love because yeah, you can see them in the back. Stuff. They're in two of the houses, and then that one is shot down the street. You can see the palm trees in the back, those tall oh, ones. Oh, yeah. Isn't that great? I love that. I love it when I they know, freeze frame great. stuff. Like, you're like, oh, wow, I never noticed that. I love these making And you said something about PJ Souls off the air. I did. Oh, she's a, it's just that she's a Facebook friend. I've never met her, but, you know, I she's saw that. She's a Facebook friend. That's cool. That's she cool. started so she goes, totally thing. She was she, like and totally, she totally. Occasionally, will put like pictures of Halloween or Carrie up there, and so, mm-hmm. and she seems like a very nice person. I don't know her at all, but uh, it was for some reason um, her name came up on my, you know, you should know so and so list on Facebook about five years ago. I'm sure she's no longer available, but um, so I follow her on Facebook. So um, and nice. I'm sure hey. she, I'm sure she's really following me. <laughs> Hey, you know, you know no, she seems you never very know. Nice. She could read those books. I mean, yeah, you I, never uh, know. The two, the two funny things about her in that movie in Halloween, and you saw that too, is when it's the scene that she gets off the phone with Jamie Lee Curtis and her boyfriend is there, and they're getting off the couch to go upstairs. She trips on the camera track. Oh, <gasps> and you see right. that in the movie. <laughs> and then the other thing is, do you know who was supposed to play that part? Her boyfriend in the movie. No, Dennis Quaid. It was who she was married to at the time, but that actor was already committed to do another movie called Dreamscape. But it was uh, supposed was Dennis to be Quaid. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> I knew she dated him for a while. So yeah, oh, she was Quaid married to him. Was supposed right. to be in that movie. Wow. And then he ended up doing Dreamscape, fun. which was a really good movie. Dreamscape was a good movie yeah. too. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love behind the scenes stuff. I mean, like oh, God, you go I on Rosemary's Baby. I got that twenty fifth. Anniversary issue and watched it all. Oh, yeah, that's what I got too. Have you? Yeah. Have you seen, where they take uh, you the, down the, the streets where it was yes. shot in Pasadena because you know it's there. But the Myers house is now like a chiropractic office because they kind of. Oh, move, it's, it's, I yeah. missed that part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to look it up, and they and they have a picture oh, okay. where they it's like a chiropractic office, or like a doctor's office, or something. But you can still oh, drive down funny. the street. I mean, it's still the houses are all still the same. It's still got the two houses where. Annie was babysitting, and Jamie Lee Curtis were babysitting. That's the main street anyway. The Myers house ah. was never on that street. Oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. that I love that stuff. <laughs> I know. So tell us what you got coming up next, then, since you're working on right now. The one I'm working on right now is called The Betrayed Wife. A kind of a different title for me. Uh, it so, is. And it kind of tells the story. It kind of, Usually my titles are a little vague, but this one kind of tells the story of a a betrayed wife. She's uh, she's got two kids, no, three kids at home. She lives in Seattle. What a shock. Uh, she's got a very handsome husband, and she's uh, uh, got, we know she's had a nervous breakdown at one point, and um, she, things just start going bad. Someone's following her, and uh, I won't even go too far into it, but uh, she's got reasons to be angry and to be scared and to 
And for us not to be sure if everything we're hearing from her point of view is on the money. So this time we might, I might be doing part of that trend of unreliable narrator. I'm not sure. I'm, she's pretty reliable, but not totally. You're not, you're not getting the full story from her. So let's just leave it at that. But uh, there's a plot going on. That's for sure. And so, so I'm you working on your that. Facebook page. So people can yeah, find you oh, on my, Facebook. And do you, you, do you tweet a lot or you don't tweet too much? I'm not a big tweeter, but my um, I think my Facebook official fan page, it's Kevin O'Brien fan page. So you go to Facebook, okay. Kevin O'Brien fan page, and I think that tweets stuff out. Um, and I you're, think you're pretty active on there? I am pretty active on there. I, you know, In fact, I just put a Halloween picture up today and another one oh, up nice. yesterday. So, in fact, I had a picture from The Haunting uh, just recently, and then I had another oh, one from God. Village of the Damned. And then yeah. today I think I put up one from Carrie, speaking of oh. TJ Souls. So Yes, that's I'm, right. She was with John Travolta in that one. Yeah. She was uh no, that was Nancy Allen. TJ Souls was the one with the oh. the Oh the that's right. She was a cheer, yeah, she was a cheerleader. She was she was, a she was a friend of the mean cheerleader. She was a she was a friend of, of Nancy Allen. Yeah. 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 She was right. in that's on right. it. She was, she was in on the old blood thing. But she still played that bubbly person that she, she kind of played still Halloween. Did the bubbly and you wanted to punch her lights out. You'd really <laughs> do. <laughs> so and it's and kevinobrienbooks.com is your website um you and got the book it. is they won't be hurt and it's available now wherever you want to buy books how you want to buy them it sure is yeah say hey man i want to thank you so much for coming on it's always great to oh, talk with you john it's and, great to talk to you and give, yes. give give jeff my best i hope he feels better and uh it's i will been great all right man we will talk with you soon thank you sir take care right, bye-bye So again, everybody, that is author Kevin O'Brien, great friend, and the book is called They Won't Be Hurt. So you can pick that up now and visit kevinobrienbooks.com for more information on everything he's got going on and follow him, of course, on um, uh, Facebook and uh, go out there and check it out. We are going to take a short break and be back with our next guest. It is Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson, and they're going to be talking about their fourth book in their Tier 1 thriller series called American Operator. So you don't want to miss that. So we'll be right back here. Find you some music to play. I don't know if I'm going to play weird stuff or if I'm just going to play normal stuff. And let's play 80s hair metal. That's what I want to do. everybody after the break and if you don't know who that is that's trickster um a nice 80s band that i listened to back in that time and hey i still think they got rock and music now so don't knock it to try it um so again we want to thank kevin for coming on and we are very pleased to be able to bring on the writing team here are brian andrews and jeff wilson and again this is book four and their uh latest tier one thriller series is called american operator so brian and jeff how are you guys doing today Hey, we're doing great, man. How are you? Thanks for having us. Yeah, John, this is great. Thanks. Hey, no problem. I appreciate you guys coming on to talk about your fourth book here in the series. Um, you know, when you kind of look back at book one and now you're kind of into four, it's kind of a little surreal at this time, isn't it? Did you think that was going to kind of be going this way? 
Well, gee, that's the hope, right? But it uh, yeah, it, it sure went fast. I mean, if I feel like Tier One came out like a couple months ago, but I guess it, I guess it's been like two years now. Yeah. Nope. I thought I just heard I just heard like a baby song in the background. I think I did. Yeah, that was. Oh weird. yeah, that was so we baby. always have we have little baby sounds all the time. It keeps us calm. That's what we do. <laughs> nice. That is so freaking cool. I should try that sometimes because I get a little amped up. I'll give away the secrets, so, Brian. <laughs> There's that, that that's the that's the secret to the writing team right there. You play the baby songs and then you kill a lot of fucking people. That's what you do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, book four now, American Operator. Tell us what you guys got going on. So I don't know if you remember from our last interview, but we structure our series a little differently than um some of our contemporaries. In tier one we use a trilogy format. So the first three books were all based on this idea that uh, we wanted to follow our hero, our protagonist, John Dempsey, um, through through his journey, but also we had this villain arc, too, because, you know, in real life, that's the way these these things work. I mean, uh, we've got Vladimir Putin over there, and, and he just keeps winning every election. Go figure. He bad guy that never goes away. So, that, I mean, in real life, it's not nice and tidy where at the end of uh, one engagement, the bad guy's killed and everybody's happy and we, we move on to the next thing. So we tried to um, mirror that in the way we structured the series. So the first series was focused on the Iranian threat. Specifically, we had um, their CIA sort of analog called VVAC, um, they were working against America. They were working against the SEALs. They were working against our guy, John Dempsey, and his team. And uh, this fourth book kicks off the next trilogy. And I'll kind of hand it off to Jeff so he can talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with uh, trilogy number two. Yeah, so, you know, what's fun about uh, the Ember team and the Dempsey character and, and sort of the whole series is we like to, rather than just take a single character arc and focus on that, we sort of like to move in and out of other characters, too. So it's been fun in the first trilogy to have different folks from different backgrounds. You know, we've had DEA in there. We've had other Navy SEALs in there, all these other organizations, CIA, interacting with Dempsey and his team. And so we're able to continue that uh, with a new arc. And now that they've sort of closed the loop on this Iranian threat and the bad guys there, uh, we've sort of moved to a new threat, uh, which is the – you know, contemporary emerging threat of Russia. Uh, so we've been, we we want it to look like we're just insanely brilliant. That you know we are prophesying all of these all of these things. But to be honest, we're a little bit lucky. Uh, you know, obviously this book is coming out in a couple of weeks. We started writing it a year ago, and we've just been so excited as we watch the news and see all of these things dribbling out about Russia uh, that are going to make the book right. seem insanely contemporary. So, you know, we've now got Dempsey and his team uh, dealing with false flag operations from Russia as they try to, you know, uh, build their presence in the Baltic states and the Middle East, uh, in Turkey. Uh, so it's been kind of fun. And it's fun to watch Dempsey and his team here because, like the real world, Everyone's been so focused on the Islamic terrorists and the Middle East threat that yes, yes. the threat sort of fade into the background, right? So now here they are with this new threat, and they're all like, well, what the hell do we do with that? I mean, like, I don't, I've been fighting the, you know, in the desert for two decades. I don't know what to do about contemporary, uh, you know, Russian threat with real bad guys, KGB type of guys. So it's kind of fun to yeah. have that fish out of water thing. Uh, going on here, and I want to give away too much of, of the plot, but um, it's really neat to see these characters dealing with a new threat and sort of being a little unprepared for what they're facing. Well, and you know, and the really cool thing about like the trilogy within the series is that you always have a picking up point where you can kind of just jump into the series and kind of get going and get a trilogy and then kind of go back. I mean, you know, you kind of miss. I guess you want to say maybe like the character's emotional kind of shit or whatever, but you're not missing any of, like you said, like the action and any of the, the of that plot and that storyline. You can get those three, those three, those three. So I like that idea, and I think it's really ingenious. Oh, well, thanks. thanks. Uh, we think so too. But yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the challenge is to 
uh, of course, you know, Brian is the one that makes it look easy. But the challenge is to be able to write a series where you can pick up a trilogy or even an individual book within the trilogy and have it right. resonate for a guy that's like picking up book two or book three and say, wow, that was a really good book. And there are things in there that he didn't get, but he doesn't know he didn't get them because he didn't read the others. And then the guys that have been reading the whole series, there's little nuggets for them, too. And it's it's challenging, uh, but but kind of fun. So hopefully we're pulling that off. So I guess I don't really want to know. I mean, I guess, it, you know, like ideas was it or whatnot. I mean, it, you know, it's a collaborative effort. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys kind of probably thought these things together. But when you're thinking of like the second trilogy of going on, uh, how, how does that kind of work in the process? Like who kind of like brings up the idea and kind of, and you got to kind of start running with it. Is it kind of like writing a song where someone brings in the melody, someone starts doing the lyrics and it kind of brings it together? When, I'm not sure I you, know, Brian. You you might have to answer that because I, I think it's it's gotten so weird. Like it's almost like a marriage where you know you read each other's thoughts and you finish each other's sentences. And like I'd love to be able to say yes. Here's the answer to that. I'm not sure I know anymore. Like we sort of drift in and out with the characters and the arc, and and we sort of plant seeds for the next trilogy. So I mean, it must have occurred to us a couple books ago, but I'm not I'm not really sure, Brian. What do you think? Well, we every once in a while, uh, you know, once a year at least, maybe maybe more often, we'll sit down. And we'll say, okay, you know, where, you know, where if we could just go anywhere with this series, where would it go? And what do we see? You know, could, could we even try to imagine out? Okay, this next trilogy would be okay, the Russia threat, and then where will we go after that? Will we have a standalone book in there? Where would Dempsey? go professionally where would he go personally and we we start mapping these things out and um but it's very loose it's very just sort of like you know uh sort of like this radio you know interview it's like just sitting around bullshitting yeah. you know drinking a beer while we're talking and but it's fun it's a lot of fun and we just had one of those the other day and we were thinking about gosh you know we we really think we could go out to book 12 just uh, you know, based on what we sort of talked about in this conversation. And uh, we started laying the seeds for this trilogy um, when we were doing War Shadows, which was book two. And um, because I remember with War Shadows, we said, okay. Um, and, John, have you seen that uh, the television show, The Americans, about the the KGB? You know, I've seen, I've seen some of it, but I've seen some of it, but I interviewed – Oh, God, I can't remember the author. I interviewed the author for you know the guy who wrote the you know the books of the, the the series off of it. But I've only seen a couple episodes. And it was way early on in like the first season. Yeah, I mean that show is just so well done. I didn't know it was adapted, so that's cool. I'll have to look up um, and see if I can find those books. But it's so well done, and it you know it was such a different world back in the 1980s when when that was set up and. And Jeff and I were talking about that series and the Residentura and how you had these sleeper cells. And we said, you know, and that was sort of the foundation of Warshaz. We said, you know, what if the, the, the Persian government did the same thing? And um, when we were talking about that, we started brainstorming how to close that out of that first trilogy. But then the, the ties to Russia were very natural. And we, we started saying, okay, well, we're seeing Russian intervention in Syria we're seeing Russia moving assets into the Middle East. We're seeing them trying to get a footprint there, trying to interrupt. It reminds me of 1980. What's that? <laughs> it reminds me of 1980 because I was alive when they invaded Afghanistan, and then that's when it was really going strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's sort yeah. of like like what you're saying. It's almost like this circular uh, pattern, right? It's like just not quite as military like there was Afghanistan. It's a little more sly. Right, it it's like the it's like the new world, right, John? I mean, it's like yeah. you can't the, the days when you can just like push a bunch of tanks to the border are yep, are gone, awesome. and that and and that's sort of the new premise. Like if if Russia wanted to reemerge, and you're seeing some of this in the headlines now, if you want, Russia wanted to reemerge as a superpower again, you know their their attempt to to uh, just sort of blend into the Western model didn't work so great, right? I think we'd all agree with that. And so if they want to emerge as a superpower, they can't do it by just, you know, pushing their way into Crimea. Yeah, they got, they got some port access and they got some, you know, territory, but you can't take a hill anymore in a global economy. You have to 
take a hill covertly so that you get respect and that people want to do business with you. And so what would that look like? And that was sort of what we started, like Brian said, in book two when we started talking about, well, what if we shifted to Russia? What would that look like now? It wouldn't look mm-hmm. like Afghanistan in the 80s. It would have no. to be something with a lot of covert operations, with false flag operations, pointing the blame at others, rushing in as the rescuers so that you can gain footing on the world stage as, you know, a peace-loving nation. And you see that right now in the way Russia behaves. And so that was sort of the the impetus for, well, what would it look like? What would Dempsey and his team have to face if Russia was truly becoming that puppet master and, and, and moving Czech- Hello? John, I'm still here. Did we lose Jeff? Yep, it sounded like we lost Jeff. <laughs> he was right in the middle. I guess Russia didn't yeah. like what he was saying. We better change the fucking subject. <laughs> right. right. I hope they just disconnected him. They didn't poison him. That's, that was oh, my God, him. yeah. I mean, we don't want another uh, – at least he's not in a Saudi consulate, but that's for another story. Oh, Shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, so anyway, I mean – and. Uh, and I don't, and I'm not sure which area code is who, so I don't want to hang up on the wrong person. He'll be calling in. Uh, let's see here. Eight one three. I got a nine one three and an eight one three. Yeah, that eight one three is him. He's merging back in. Okay, I will. Let me disconnect him and have him call back in. You still there? I'm still here. Okay, so I'll I disconnect him to see if he can call back in. Maybe there was just something messed up. I don't know if he, I don't even know if he can hear us, but um, anyway, I'll, we'll get him when he calls back in. So when I just connect him, then hopefully that'll trigger it. To, and there he is, right there. Let's see if we can hear him now. Drop moment. Hey, I didn't Jeff. think it was that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there he is. We, we thought, we, I didn't think it was brilliant enough to be a mic drop dude. moment, so I figured I better call back. Well, we thought it was. I was like, damn. I was like, I hope. We were like, maybe the Russians got him. Or did he walk into the Saudi <laughs> and that's consulate it. That's or all something? I have to say. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's like they pulled the plug on. They're like, no more, no more from Jeff Wilson. That's it, no more. Next, next, ne- the next trip for you is a Saudi consulate. That's it. So, yeah. But what I was saying was when, you know, when you're doing military thrillers and you're doing things of this that are kind of like a real life nature, how, how difficult is it for you to kind of make sure that it's still a fiction book, though? Well, Jeff, you want to take that one? You want me to? Yeah, I mean, you know, so because you don't want it to be too close, I think, we, I think, I think right? We, yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Was that the the idea of you know yeah. Brian and I both have had spent some time in various communities and have friends still out there, and that's been super effective for us in being able to bring a lot of realism and character development and, you know, what would people we know and have worked with do in a situation like that. But the operational security part is enormously important to us because we still have friends out there on the pointy tip of the spear. And gosh, we would never want to do anything that would compromise anything like that. And so um, what we write is definitely fiction. We try to take things that are contemporary that, you know, involve the real-world politic, but the specific details, their fantasy, you know, based on some fact. And so it is – but it is a challenge, not not the OPSEC part. That's easy. We just don't tell secrets. But, but finding a way to make it realistic without being real is sometimes a challenge, and you have to sort of check yourself. You have to sort of look at what you're doing. Sometimes it's too far one way where it's, like, too fantastical that people – you're like, well, that's so clearly bullshit. No one's <laughs> – no one's going to believe that. And other times you're like kind of checking things and saying, well, you know, we want to keep it, we want to keep it real world based, but not, you know, real stuff that we've had the honor of being privy to. Does that sound re- right, Ryan? Oh yeah, definitely. And, um, the only, I just the only say whatever you tell me to say, John. So I just want to make sure I got it right. But, I mean, it's true. I mean, you know, you, you, it's, it's kind of like when you're writing, you know, like I said, Kevin O'Brien on it, you know, he kind of writes, you know, more horror suspense. And you want to make sure that it still kind of stays fiction. I mean, because it comes to the point, especially in today's day and age, like when you're writing military thrillers, and, and there's a lot of them out there. I mean, it's a hard genre to kind of to keep cracking 
uh, into because there, there's a lot of authors and there's a lot of books out there right now. So you had to kind of have to keep things a little more fresh. And so that's why I also think that your trilogy idea is, is really ingenious because it is different. You know, no one's really doing something like that. And I do love the Russian aspect of bringing that in because it is so you know, right you know what now else today. I think more. is important. You know what else is important, John, is that you got to you got to do real character stuff. I mean, if you want to be yeah. able to push the envelope, and it's you know talking about horror and supernatural. I I know you remember. I used to write in that genre, so supernatural right. thrillers and such. And what's fun about it is to be successful. And I think it's true here too. If you can build tremendously realistic characters that that your reader really gets gripped by, and they and they just get so invested in them. You can then go way off the edge with whether it's horror and supernatural or crazy geopolitical warfare. You can make things that are just totally out there, and the reader wants it to it to be real because they don't want the character to stop being real to them. So you, you develop really tremendous characters that engage the reader, and they'll go on a journey anywhere that you want. And so I really think that's the key. You just have to make the characters relatable. You have to make them super real and you have to have the reader care enough about them that they'll suspend their disbelief and go on that journey with you. More important probably in horror than in military fiction, but I think there's definitely an element of that here. Now, do you guys um have you guys watched that new uh that new Jack Ryan series on uh, Amazon Prime yet? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. We, my, my wife and I binged watched it. The problem with those streaming things is you have no maturity and self-control, right? So you're like, oh, we'll watch yeah. an episode a week, and we'll have something to do all fall. And then, like, three days later, you're like, well, when's the next <laughs> season coming out? I thought it was great. I, did you enjoy it, John? You know what? I started watching episode one, and then I was doing something. I was like, okay, I need to make sure that I sit and pay attention to this because – I was like lost in like the first 30 minutes of when, you know, just kind of coming in and out. It was kind of on and I was kind of paying attention a little half. So I haven't got into it yet, but I'm glad because I haven't really seen an honest review of someone who's, who's, who's seen it. I mean, I've only like read some reviews online. So that's kind of, I was asking about that too. And I wanted to know how that realism was, you know, when you're comparing it to like books, I mean, would it translate better than a Clancy novel? I mean, is it, it's not, you know, 150,000 words at times, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely Clancy updated, right? It's and and that's the the diehard Clancy fans like like I've been in the past sometimes struggle with that. It's like, well, that's not you know that's not the way yeah. it was. That's not the way it was in the books. Well, yeah, but it's also not in 1983. So if you want if you want it to be successful True. today, you better update it. I loved it, Brian. You you liked it, right? No, oh, I thought it was great. I mean, the first yeah. I, I called. Well, I gotta get it the then. First, the first. Oh yeah, you uh, definitely episode. you definitely want to check it out. It's definitely worth watching. What was that, Brian? Well, I was going to say, I, I, when, I, when I watched the first episode, I called Jeff. I was like, this is right up our alley. This is the sort of stuff we're doing. So I feel like um, it, it, did tra- it, it is updated for um, uh, the current times. And it, had, it, had a different, it has a different feel from the, from the old Clancy novels, which sort of had more of a People probably kill me, but they had a more, you know, mechanical sort of plotting pace. Very, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I know. I very a little more formulaic. Yeah, yeah, yeah very I mean, much he, so. he was just, he was very, very deliberate with everything that he did, and so you you had all the. It's like just the mechanism. You could you could almost feel like the mechanism turning of the story with each chapter. Whereas this felt more dynamic and it felt a little more human and. Um, very, very current. So bravo yeah. to the screenwriters who, who put that thing together because they did a great job. But I will say, though, that I think that, um, um, you know, with cast, the casting was pretty good, and um, John Kroninsky did a great job as uh, Jack Ryan. He, a little different take on the uh, on the character, but, I mean, uh, it, it resonated for me. So, So if you were to see... Your series maybe go to a TV show. Who would you want to play the lead? <laughs> That's Come on, you know you thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's we, no we, one worthy. We, there's we, no one worthy of Dempsey. Oh come right, on, you know you <laughs> thought about it and be like, oh, it'd be cool if such and such would play, you know, Dempsey. I mean, there's no question we thought about what what it would be like to not just Dempsey, but that whole Ember team. How exciting it would be to right. see them on the screen. Um, 
I'm not sure I ever pictured a specific. I know that sounds like a cop out, John. I'm not sure I ever pictured a specific guy playing him. Who who do you think, Brian? Who would you? Have? I mean, like no, just I, like, I, like I try not to think of a face for him because I like to think of him, um, you know, the way I do. Sometimes you hear their voice. But I would like to have somebody who's got you know. I mean, you know, the way that um, Bradley Cooper did uh, American Sniper, you know, just the presence that he had on screen. Like, that's what you want. You want somebody like that guy, you know, who's just like a really versatile, really uh, um, emotional actor, right? Like, that's that's what we want. And I think Jeff and I have talked. I mean, we, we, we have some some stuff that we're sort of cooking in the background here, and we can't say anything about it. But, I mean, we're, we're working on that right now, and we're working – we're interested in TV, uh, so that's that's kind of the direction that we're we're pursuing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it would want, you'd want it to be a character actor. You'd want it to be. I mean, obviously, a big name brings brings big viewers, but I think you want someone that's got a lot of range uh, as a character actor, rather than, you know, the the door kicking uh, kind of guy uh, that's a little bit two dimensional. Not, I don't want to. Now I can't say a name because then I'm insulting somebody. But well, what do you think I think you'd like want somebody that has a lot of range for sure, because because it's a very character-driven series. Well, what do you think of like Kiefer Sutherland? Too old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Thanks. Wait a minute. Isn't he the same age as me? That's not possible. That's not right. Uh, Screw you, Brian. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know, well, you know, you know who can play anything. I mean, the guy can play freaking anything because I just saw him in, um, oh, man, what was the movie? Oh, shit, I forget. Oh, um, well, it's, it's Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah, he's really terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. Take, you know and what, we the, take God that, damn, for sure. What was the movie I just saw him in? He was just in a movie, and it was like he was great again. <laughs> oh, man, now it's going to bug me. And, and you know you've done it to me, and it's like 11:30 where I am, John. So I'll be up all night. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I suck. But yeah, I mean, I always think it would be cool to kind of see because I think that Hollywood misses it so much right now because you know they're rehashing the same old, same olds, and there's so many great stories out there to tell. And I think that they kind of missed the boat. And you know, I this is one of these stories that I kind of see, and I'm like, you know, I can kind of see. Oh fuck, he played Venom. Um, that's, oh, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that yet. That's his new yeah. one. That's his new one. Yeah. yeah, he played Venom, and he was freaking amazing. Um, so, yeah. So I could see your story because of how the storyline and kind of how the characters are. I, I think I could see it kind of made for that venue. Because some I can't. I could see yours making that venue, though. Yeah, it would be, yeah no, we be, appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah. So you guys haven't seen so you guys haven't seen Venom yet? No, no, I haven't. It, it, I have it's great either. though, huh? Oh yeah, really good. I thought it was really good. I thought it might have been. I do agree with some of the reviews. I think maybe it should have been R, um, and they could have amped it a little bit because I think with you know Deadpool and another um, there's another superhero movie that was R and made a lot of movie made a, made, a, made a ton of money that way too. Um, that they could have done it, but yeah, it was good. I mean, it's pretty freaking violent. I wouldn't take a kid under 14. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that I would it not do. Like my, I kind of film. Yeah, I would not do that. I mean, there's nothing sexual in it, but I mean, it's pretty freaking violent at times. Because, you know, if people don't know, like Jeff and I talked last week, I mean, Venom, he bites the heads off of people. That's kind of how he lives. Live people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. A, little, that's yeah. a little violent, sure. You, yeah, you, you don't think your toddlers do that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you kind of see a little of that. <laughs> so. so you guys already have this trilogy planned out, the one that the one that you're going on right now with uh starting with American Operator Book Four. So you already kinda you already kinda got this this planned out or are you just kinda like organically letting it kinda flow with you? I think it's kinda the same the way we always do it. We we have it planned out and just like real warfare, the plan never survives leaving the wire. I mean it's it's the plan is great until you make contact and then it all changes and that's sort of what's happening here. We had it sort of mapped out. And then um, book one, you know, 
or book four in the series, but book one in this trilogy, American Operator, took on a slightly different direction than we originally planned, and now we're um, we're knee deep in in book five, which is uh, close to completion um, for its release next year. And it definitely went off in a direction that we didn't anticipate. But that's half the fun of it, right? Like, I mean, if you have it all mapped out and each chapter in its own little manila folder, then I'm not sure I could do this. Like, it's got to be fun and exciting for Brian and I, too. Like, I I like to sit down at the computer and say, gosh, I wonder what's going to happen in this chapter. So, yes and no. We have it mapped out, uh, but it always makes little course corrections as we move along. Yeah, and a lot of what we do is informed by – you know, current events and changing political climates and the like. And um, so, you know, the the tier one universe is an analog for the real universe. And that kind of goes back to your question about, you know, okay, well, how close to fiction is this? And how, you know, you got to make sure it stays fiction. It's not, you know, treading too close to reality. And so what's nice about, you know, sort of setting up this alternate, you know, alternate, you know, America, alternate universes, there's, you know, once you have your presidential administration, the one that we set up in the first, in the first book, you know, that, that president has his own policies, his own staff, his own, his own agendas. And, and the, the, you know, the Russian president analog has his. And, and so these things, the longer the series goes, uh, they have their own momentum and they have their own, um, um, history, and at some point, you know, when that history is rich and deep enough, you can't you can't just pretend it didn't happen, right? So you you will start to just diverge from the real world because of the, the real world's unpredictable. And so as those things happen in the real world, we start to diverge. You know, you might see more of that um, sort of alternate take on on you know what's going on. Yeah, and then, of course, you always have every now and then Dempsey will step in and say, guys, that is absolutely not what I would do. And you definitely have to respect him because he's a little scary. Yeah. You got to change course. So you guys got anything going on solo? I know, Brian, you had a book that came out uh, in April, uh, Reset. Uh, you guys got anything solo coming? Well, Reset is an awesome book. I'm going to give Brian the, the plug that he's uncomfortable making for himself, but that's a that's a really cool book. I don't know if you've it had is. a chance to look at it, John. But it's really fun. Um, it's a very it's very speculative. It's got some I don't even want to mm-hmm. say sci-fi elements. I guess it's sort of sci-fi, but it, it's a really 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 cool book, and so people definitely need to check it out. And then I uh, a little bit different from the tier one for sure. And then I also just have a book that came out last weekend um, that is a completely new thing for me. It's a it's a war based book, but it has a, a inspirational faith element to it called War Torn. Um, you know, I'm involved in a uh, ministry to uh, combat veterans uh, through my church, and and that was sort of the the driving force for this book, uh, which nice. deals with a, a young a young military couple. Uh, he goes off on deployment to Afghanistan, loses his best friend, and suffers a crisis of faith and how they deal with it. So, um, and we've we've both got other solo works in the works that we uh, probably can't talk too much about that uh, that are out there. But we've always got something going on and other joint projects mm-hmm. too. So, well, each of Can you we- give your give your um, give your personal websites too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we so asked. everyone knows everyone knows andrewsandwilson.com by now, I hope, andrews-wilson.com. And then Andrew I'm Dr. using yep. wartornnovel.com is for this for this new book. Um, and then uh, you can find – if you go to, war to, if you go to uh, andrews-wilson.com, you can find information on all of our books, joint books, solo books, everything. Hmm. Yeah, so, I, don't Brian. Have a separate, I don't have a separate website. I just – just our joint website. So we we do have a separate page. Each of us have our own page on the Anders Wilson website, and then we have a listing of all the books and our newsletter. And um, you know, uh, we each have separate Amazon pages too. So like, there's an author page for each of us on Amazon. So anybody who's listening out there, we'd love a follow. We'll keep you updated uh, with Amazon. Sure. If you follow us on Amazon, any new any new releases and stuff like that, you'll get an email. And- right. Brian's a little needy. He's not really ready to step out and have a website separate from me, and I'm trying to be respectful. All right, of that. he's doing a little hand holding. I get you. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But now, Brian, you didn't have a chance. Did, did you have anything coming out? Jeff kind of took over the segment. <laughs> oh, no, no. The last one I had is, uh, was Reset. And, yep. But Jeff and I just finished up uh, a standalone. We actually just literally put the, the final uh, synopsis together and the manuscripts all packaged up and we sent it off to our agent. So she's going to be shopping that uh, in the next cool. couple of weeks. And we're pretty excited about this one. Um, and it, it's, uh, it has, you know, it has a, a military character, female military character. She was an Army CID um, investigator, did time in Iraq, but now she's back and she is doing, uh, homi- she's become a homicide detective at a local uh, police station. And she's, she's got herself wrapped into uh, a homicide investigation that, uh, it it doesn't make any sense. So we pulled in uh, all kinds of stuff from our individual backgrounds and interests. There's there's uh, science and technology. There's uh, some interesting medical stuff going on in there, and then uh, obviously you know military characters. Um, you know some of the other people she deals with are also veterans um, who are in supporting roles. So we're pretty excited about this one. And once we get a deal on that, we'll we'll be back to tell you a lot more about it. Nice. Hey, guys, we want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about uh, the latest book. Um, of course, it is Operator – or America – I'm sorry. <laughs> I just lost my, I lost my train of thought. Um, it is American Operator. I was going to say Operator Down, and then I kind of screwed up. No, it's American Operator, and it is the next book in your Tier 1 Thriller series, so the first of the second trilogy now into your series, Book 4 overall. Um, so, guys, thank you guys so much for coming on. Appreciate it. John, so much fun as always, man. Anytime. Thanks Thank so, much, guys so much, John. All right, have a good night. Take care. Bye. Bye. So again, everybody, that are authors Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson, and the book again, American Operator. It is the first book here in the second trilogy, and it is the fourth book overall in the series. And make sure you visit Andrews-Wilson.com for more information on uh, all of their works and, of course, their solo stuff and everything else that they have. So, great show. Thank you to Kevin O'Brien for coming on, too. Make sure you visit Kevin O'Brien Books. And we are going to be back here in three weeks. So, until then, we want to say thanks so much. Enjoy. Keep reading. See you all next time.